I'm really excited to be with you this morning. God is good, amen? Mm-hmm. He's so good. Well, today we actually begin a new series called Growing Deeper Still. And last week I kind of, you know, sought a little vision out for you for this series and for us together and for our lives together. If you don't have a booklet or if you didn't receive one last time, that's the way I'm supposed to say it. If you didn't receive one of these last week and you don't have one yet, please raise your hand and the ushers would be more than glad to get you one. Okay, that's great. So, you know, last time um, we were together, we talked about, well, that looks different. Expand a dream, plant a church, and transform a region. Can you say those three things with me, please? Expand a dream, plant a church, and transform a region. So we talked a lot about the Dream Center and how we're dreaming together and now about what the Lord might do and expanding the harvest in uh, developing this kind of vocational training center, in senior housing, all these very exciting things. And last week, there were many people that were deeply interested in engaging. I want to point to you the kiosks outside the door today on your way out. There will be people out there from those teams and an opportunity for you to sign up in anything you are interested in, whether it be the new church plant in York, um, Zeal Church, or on um, the transforming of the region, which we're doing you know, together with other churches in the region. There's a place for you to connect out there, and we'd love for you to visit those kiosks and to actually just express your interest. You're not committing to anything. You're just showing us that you have interest in a particular area. That way we can get you on the right email list, okay? All right, so <clears throat> I'm kind of excited this morning. So I'm going to go ahead and pray. You can join me in prayer because I need to just like, calm my heart for a minute. So Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness to us. We thank you so much that you are our God, and by your grace, we are your people. Father, you have called us to be set apart, set apart from the world around us, set apart from those who do not know you. You have called us to be different than the world around us. And Father, you not only saved us for eternity, but you promised your Holy Spirit now to live in us who know you, that we be raised up as oaks of righteousness, a planting of yours for the display of your splendor. So Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us and teach us as only you can teach us today what it means to grow in you. We pray this all in the precious name of the one who gave everything, the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Okay, so, not really working. We'll get it working in a second. Maybe. Okay, there we go. So, I gave you this scripture last time. Can you say this out loud with me, please? Where there is no vision, the people perish. So, every year at Grace, I have the opportunity to stand before you, the honor to stand before you, as I did last week, and cast vision for us together. Because without vision for us together, we die. That's what the scripture says. If you have no hope for your future, if you don't know what the Lord is calling you to do, at least to some extent, if you don't have a longing in your heart, a white hot dream from God, you die. And so God calls us every year to cast vision here and to listen to him carefully as to how he would have us move so we can mobilize for the next season together. Now last week I gave you a little assignment. Because this is not only true for us together, but this is true for every single one of us individually. If you do not have a vision for your life from God, a white hot vision from Him, a dream that is worth living, you will die. And so last week I asked you to think and pray about what it is that God not only wants to do through you, but most of all what it is that God wants to do in you. 
What does God want to do inside of you? How does he want to change your heart? How does he want to change you from the inside out? I shared a little bit last week from mine, but I want to show you this picture. This is a picture of a tree that is, get this, 4,848 years old. 4,848 years old. This was the oldest living tree that we knew of until we actually found one that's now over 5,000 years old. Now, when, when, you know, people don't really know where this is because those who found it like to keep it a secret because they don't want to go, and go back there and hurting this tree. But when they found out how old this tree was, they gave it this really awesome name. This tree is called Methuselah. <laughs> Can you say that with me? Methuselah. Isn't that grand? Isn't that like filled with valor? And it's filled with all this Methuselah. Don't you like have an image kind of stirring your soul when you hear the name Methuselah? You know, um, naming is a very biblical thing. You know, in, in biblical times, when people would go through a different transition or they would experience God in some supernatural way or there was something would change about them, their name would change. Think about it. Abram became Abraham. Why? Because God gave Abram part of his name. Yahweh gave Abram part of his name, and he said, you are now Abraham. You and I are together in this covenant forever. So I guess the question I have for you today is, what's your new name? You know, I, I fell in love with a movie years ago. I fell in love with it so much that I watched it about a dozen times in the theater. I have never done that with a movie before. Anybody ever watch a movie a dozen times in the theater? Or am I the only nut in here? This movie was called Dances with Wolves. Right? There's some Dances with Wolves fans in here. Yeah. You know, so... The reason why I loved it so much, it was this guy named John Dunbar. He didn't really know who he was. He was, he was to the point in his life where he was so depressed that he tried to commit suicide in this kind of really chivalrous way. But he ended up being sent out west. And he goes out to his post, and there's no one there, and he ends up befriending this Sioux tribe, you know? And they actually inevitably kind of bring him in as one of their own. And he gets a new name. Why? Because he's out in the desert, and he finds this wolf, and this wolf is kind of playing with him, and these Indians see him with this wolf, and it kind of looks like they're dancing because they're playing, and so his name becomes Chumani Tutanka Owachi. Yes, I watched the movie way too much. <laughs> Chumani Tutanka Owachi dances with wolves. And John Dunbar, at least who he used to be, says, I really never knew who John Dunbar was. But now, now I have a new name, and I finally know who I am. Dances with wolves. You know, um, I had friends in a circle of friends who we watched this movie together, and oh my gosh, we came out of that just so excited watching that movie, and we were out having dinner in Little Italy. Anybody like Little Italy? Oh my gosh, I think we were at Chipperelli's or something like that. And um, we're all sitting around a table, about eight or ten of us, and we're playing with this, and we're going... I wonder what his new name is. I wonder what her new name is. And so Tracy was paints with a passion, you know, and somebody else was something else. And then Scott, one of my best friends in the world, he kind of said, I wonder what Jeff's new name is. And there was like this hush. I, I swear there was. Like maybe it was for nobody else but except for me. And then this, this friend of mine spoke. Her name was Mandy, and she said, his name is Speaks for God. And I'll never forget that an anointing fell on. 
I swear. It was as if God was talking through this woman who didn't even know him to give me a new name. His name speaks for God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, God. So as I communicated to you last week, there are things I'm longing for in my heart to be inside. There's things that I'm longing for God to change inside of me. And I confessed to you last week that I can be a very, very insecure man at times. That I can let your face determine my faith. And guess what? I want to be done with that. I want to be confident in the Lord. I want to have my roots so deeply rooted in the soil of his love that I will never be shaken. That's what I want now. My new name, by the grace of God, is confidence and quiet forever. That's what I want the Lord to do in me. How about your new name? I want to challenge some of you to take a risk this morning. We're going to be talking about that more in the context of this series. I just want you to throw your hand up. If you have a new name that you think God wants to put on you because he wants to do something in you, would you throw your hand up and then I'm going to call on you and you're going to stand up and you're going to say that new name right there in the back. Can you stand up and say that name for us? You didn't know that's what it involved, did you? Well, thank you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Now, who's got a new name? Somebody's got a new name. I know somebody here is longing to be something different than they are. Can you please stand and give us that new name nice and loud? Say it again. Quilting for Christ. Praise the Lord. Give her a round of applause. Somebody else, somebody else has got a new name. I know you do. Back in the back, nice and loud for us, please. Stronger in faith. Come on, give her a round of applause. You are stronger in faith. Somebody else. Right there, nice and loud, please. Gabrielle. Giver of mercy. Praise the Lord. You know, I'm not feeling enough encouragement for these people. <laughs> Can you stand again and say that? And you guys just like to break out and like encourage her soul because she is. Give her mercy. There's someone else. I saw another hand over there somewhere. Yes, please, Chris. Standing firm in dark times. Standing firm in dark times. Nice and loud, Patty. What is it? Playing for Jesus. I love that. Now look, I hope you're getting the point. Do you have a desire in your heart to be more like Jesus? Good Lord. Do you have a desire in your heart to be more like Christ? Yes. How? How do you want to be more like Jesus? This is very important for you to know. If you're so busy on the surface of your life that you never go deep with Christ and ask him the question, God, how do you want me to be more like you? You won't ever achieve it. See, God longs for you to be like him. He lives inside of you. He's planted this incredible seed within the soil of your heart, and he longs to water that seed and to let that seed grow into this big old oak tree and to give you a new name. 
And I, I want to encourage you to think strongly about how God needs to change your character. Because everybody thinks about changing the world. But very rarely does anybody think about changing themselves. And that's part of the problem, folks. If we change individually, we change collectively. God longs for you to get a new name. So today, we're going to talk about... This is still not working. This is a growth opportunity for me. My new name is Patience. <clears throat> we're going to talk about trees, but we're going to talk about them according to the will and glory of God. So this is a verse that's going to be with us for the next eight weeks, and I do pray that this verse would be deeply planted within your souls, that it would grow strong roots, and that it would bear much fruits for God's kingdom across your whole life. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. Please say that out loud with me. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. So there is so much in these few words. There's so much depth in these few words, but I just want you to know that God is a God who created everything, and God uses everything to speak to you. In Romans, it says very clearly that everything that's true about God's character has been revealed through what He has made so that men are without excuse. So there's created things all around you all the time, and God is screaming to you about His character. And one of the things that he used to scream to you about his character is trees. I've said this to you before, but apart from God himself and people, the most li mentioned living thing in all of Scripture are trees. If you read through the Bible, you will see tree after tree after tree after tree. There are trees in the garden and there's trees in Revelations. Jesus hangs on a tree. There's trees attending to almost every biblical character or a part of a tree. Now, God did this for a reason. And he does say in this scripture, you will be called an oak of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Now look, listen to this one. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so it is with my word that comes from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You understand what God's saying here? He's using an analogy. He's using this tree motif, this agrarian metaphor. He's saying that, look, just like the water comes down to the earth and waters plants and vegetation and trees so that they bud and flourish, so it is with my word. It will accomplish the purpose for which I sent it. It will change you from the inside out, if you let me. See, God is speaking to us in this metaphor all over the place. This is Psalm 1, one of my favorite psalms in the world. He said, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. On his law he meditates day and night. Now listen, he is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields his fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Everything that person does prospers. I'm just going to say that again. That person's like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Everything that person does prospers. Can I ask you a question? Do you want to be that person? Do you want to be that person? Because if you do, God is telling you, you can be in me. But you must yield yourself to me. And you must look to understand in my word how I created you like a tree. Now look, 
In your little booklet, I kind of created a little page about the mighty oak. It's on page 7 and 8. You can turn there now if you want. I just want to point a few things out to you. You know, the oak is the tree that is most often mentioned in the Scripture. Uh, There's lots of trees throughout the Scripture, lots of types of wood, but the oak is the tree that is most often mentioned. And he says we're to be like an oak. Do you know the oak has the greatest wind resistance of any tree? You know, the sand oak and the live oak, these are two trees that can withstand more wind without actually being blown over than any other tree on the face of the planet. Have you ever seen a, an old oak tree sitting in the middle, middle of a field by itself? you ever seen that? How many people have ever seen that? Have you ever seen like a tree, and it's really majestic sitting out there with a huge trunk by, by itself? That's called a savanna oak or a field oak. You know how that got there by itself? Everything else around it was consumed by fire. Everything, every other living thing, every other tree was consumed by fire. Why is it standing? Because the oak has fire-resistant bark. Believe it or not, there's fire-resistant properties in the bark of an oak that allow it to stand while everything else is consumed. Are you tracking with me a little bit? Biblically, are you hearing what God is saying to you? It's fire-resistant. It has some of the deepest, strongest roots of any tree there are. White oaks and red oaks, they have tap oaks and tap roots and other types of roots that are deeper and stronger than any other tree out there. Highly utilized, right, Bob? Oak is used all over the place, everything from the manufacturing of ships to flooring to furniture of drums. Catch this, oak barrels are the, the wood that is used most often to actually store all kinds of drinks. It gives the drink a little distinctly vanillin-type flavor to it that comes from the wood. What does that say about you? You know, oak trees not only are kind of okay alone, they stand out in the middle of fields by themselves as the case of the savanna oak or the field oak, but they also grow in groves. These are called woodland oaks. And woodland oaks grow super tall, over 100 feet. So oaks live in community, but they also thrive in solitude. Can I say something to you? You need to trust God in such a way that you have time with him alone and you have time with him in community. You're to be like an oak tree. And so God says this, they shall be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Now we're going to dig deeply into that word righteous. That's coming in a couple weeks. But I want you to know every tree that's planted here on face of the earth has a purpose. Every tree has a purpose. Because God does everything on purpose. And every single one of us has a purpose. And it is surmised in this little verse. You're a planning of God for the display of his splendor. Your life is to be lived so that you glorify and magnify God. Period. That's it. So you are called righteous in Christ Jesus. We'll get to that probably next week. But I want to kind of take a look at a few things that trees need to grow. Okay, so let's take a look. Again, this is on page 9 and 10. Um, probably most of you know this, but trees need water, they need soil, they need oxygen, they need seed, they need sunlight. But probably most of you didn't know until last week that trees actually need wind to grow. Um, I, I quoted for you last week from this little um, experiment out in Arizona called Biosphere 2. Biosphere 2 is this kind of like artificial environment that scientists created years and years ago to try and create an idyllic environment for not only people but animals and plants. And they thought it was perfect. It was just like recreating Eden again. 
And so they, people were kind of thriving in there, and the animals were thriving in there because it was such a controlled environment. It was perfect. It was in like these dome-like structures. But what they found was, while the trees grew faster, they immediately fell over under their own weight. So they would grow up, but then they would just fall over, and the roots would come up out of the ground, and they were like, what, what's going on here? Why are the trees not growing stable? And then they realized this. Trees need wind to grow. And so do you. You need wind to grow because what happens with a tree when the wind blows against it, the tree develops something called stress wood. And it actually it lets the tree bend and mold towards the sun. And it also grows stronger roots into the ground. You see, it grips into the ground stronger when the wind blows. How many of you ever had wind come to you? I'm praying by the end of this series that you're not going to wait for it to come to you. I'm praying from the end of this series that you're going to run headfirst into the wind. That's what I'm praying. Because I've started doing it in my life, and can I tell you something? Jesus is faithful. Can I tell you something? He's growing my roots deeper in the soil of his love when I choose to trust him and run headfirst into the wind. Why? That's called faith. And faith requires that we take risks to trust God. So look, all of these things I've divided into two categories. We're called to rest and we're called to risk. Can you say that with me? We're called to rest and we're called to risk. So look, this is a little phrase that I want you to think about. We rest in God so we can risk in God. In order to be formed by God so we can be found in God by others. You're going to say it with me after I say it one more time. We rest in God so we can risk in God. In order to be formed by God so we can be found in God by others. Can you say that with me? We rest in God so we can risk in God. In order to be formed by God so we can be found in God by others. Resting and risking are the roots. Forming and founding are the fruit. I want you to understand that. If you're having a problem in your life and in your heart, if you're struggling with your faith, if there's things inside of you that need to change, you have a problem in your root system. A lot of Christians, when they think about trees, and I used to bring out this dead tree, I used this years ago. I don't have the dead tree anymore. I would have brought it out. But I used to bring out a dead tree, and I'd say, most Christians, they look at other people, and they go, I can't believe they have no fruit on their limbs, or I can't believe they have rotten fruit on their limbs, and they focus on the fruit. That's not the focus. The problem is in the root. You see, if, if you address the problem at the root system, then the fruit just kind of takes care of itself. The question I'm having for you ongoing is, are you longing in your heart to be a fruitful oak of righteousness, a tree that bears fruit for the glory of God? If you're longing for that, God gave you that longing in your heart, and he wants your roots to go deep into the soil of his love. He wants you to rest in him. And he wants you to risk in him so that you can be more fully formed by him so that now you're found in him by others. You see, this is the way God calls us to grow in him. Four words and eventually four questions. So the four words are this, resting, risking, forming, and founding. Can you say them? Resting, risking, forming, and founding. Listen to what God says through his word here. And I clipped the message version of this. This is Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3. And I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts 
living within you as you trust in him. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. And may you be able to feel and understand, as all God's children should, how long, how wide, how deep, and how high his love really is. And to experience this love for yourselves, though it is so great, you will never see the end of it, nor you will never fully understand it, so that at last you will be filled up with God himself. You will be an oak of righteousness. Just let your roots go down deep into the soil of God's love. So today, we're going to focus primarily on soil. And we're going to look at the parable of the sower. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. If not, I think it's also in your booklet, is it not? Let's see. Page 16, thank you. You can turn there. You'll see Matthew 13, and that's where I'm going to be reading from today. I'm going to be there, and I'm also going to be in Genesis 3, because we're talking about gardens. And no Hebrew who ever heard Jesus talk about a garden wouldn't think about the garden. Everything starts in Genesis. Everything starts in creation. And the truth of the matter is, no matter where we're on the scripture, it would almost always take us back right back to Genesis. So Jesus um, starts to tell this story. And remember, I said last week, like when Jesus was asked a question by people, he did one of two things. He either told a story or he asked a question. Why does Jesus do that? He wants to get to the root. Most of the stories that Jesus told confused people. That's called cognitive dissonance. When I create cognitive dissonance by saying something to you, it causes you to think harder than you normally do. Does that make sense? So Jesus says something like, the kingdom of heaven is like this, and they're like, what did that mean? And they start thinking deeper. That's called cognitive dissonance. And it, ca- it causes people, especially if they're earnest about seeking God, to go to the root of the issue. A lot of times Jesus will answer a question with a question. Don't you love when people do that? Especially like your spouse. Well, why did you do that? Well, why are you asking? But Jesus was the master of these kinds of questions. One of the questions that he asked people was this. What is it you want me to do for you? Now, let's go back to what I asked you earlier. If Jesus were to come to you today and he said this with a little bit of a change, what is it you want me to do in you? It's a little different. What is it you want me to do for you? What is it you want me to do inside of you? How do you want me to change your heart, oh child of God? If you were to hear Jesus ask that question of you today, how would you answer? That might be a part of your new name. God, I want to be confident in you. I want to to know you so strongly that I'm not blown to and fro by the winds of this world. My child, I want that for you too. Let's make you like that in me. So Jesus... It says here, the same day he went out of the house and sat by the lake. I love Jesus. He's just so awesome. He just sits by the lake. Some large crowds gathered around him. By the way, he didn't initiate most of the time. People initiated with him. That says something about the way in which we should travel in the world. He didn't really go and approach people much. They actually approached him. And so such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and he sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed, 
And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. Listen, but when the sun came out, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Underline that. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked out the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop. A hundred, sixty, and thirty times what was sown. Now, verse 9, this is always so important. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples came to him and asked, what the heck are you talking about? That's my paraphrase. I love these guys. They never get it. They're, all, they're with him, they know him, they even love him, but they don't get him. Why? Because he's God, and they're not. And so they're like, why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what that has been taken will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Listen, though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. They will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Now listen. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn. And I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. I truly tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Now, he says, listen, I'm going to help you understand what I was just saying. This is what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom of God and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. Listen, when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on the good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 100, 60, or 30 times what was sown. So, I'm going to go through these soils with you because you got to understand what Jesus is saying, first of all. You have a garden in your heart. So he's saying, this seed was sown in the heart of this person. He's saying, you have a garden in your heart. And guess what? You have to tend to your garden heart with Jesus. Now, he's the master gardener. You can't fix your own garden. But when he walks with you in the cool of the day in your heart, just like he did in Genesis... You need to attend to the garden of your heart with him. I went and talked to um, gardeners in my neighborhood. I, I run around my neighborhood. I, I still try and jog. 
Even after I broke my ankle, I still get out there and run. And, I, and it helps me. It helps me a lot because I'm trying to take care of the temple and I pray as I'm running. And so I was praying about this kind of series and this message. And I see these people out tending to their gardens. And so I just decided to stop. I've become more confident of late. Hmm, what do you know? And so I just stop and I'd say, hey, how you doing? What's your name? Hey, my name is Joe. Hey, my name is Kathy. And I'm just talking to these different gardeners. And I ask them all the same question because they were all pulling weeds. And I said, can I ask you a question? They said, sure. I said, what did you have to do in order for those weeds to grow in your garden? And you know how they answered me? Every single one of them the same way. They said, hmm, nothing. I didn't have to do anything for these dang weeds to grow. Can I tell you something? You don't have to do anything for weeds to grow in the garden of your heart. If you don't tend to it, it's going to become overgrown and unproductive. Jeff, what about the grace of God? I mean, God's grace. You're not telling me that I, that I can sanctify myself. No, I didn't say that. I just said you play a part. I play a part. But Jeff, surely it's a seemingly insignificant part. Yes, it is 1% of 1% of 1%, but it is integral. If you don't play it, your heart will go to seed. I looked through the scripture over the summer. There are hundreds of verses that speak to the promises of seeking God. Jesus says it in a summary. He just says it so beautifully. He says, ask and it will be given. Knock and the door will be opened. Seek and you will find. The question is, are you a seeker of God? See, if you seek God and you allow him to tend to the soil of your garden heart, if you garden with him every day and you walk in the cool of the day with God through the garden of your heart, he will tend to you with you. You two will pull weeds together. You identify things in the garden that need to go and things that need to grow. You will see growth in yourself. This is called sanctification, and there is a part for us to play. But it is only by the grace of God that any one of us would ever change. So there's four different types of soils here, and this is the first one I want to talk to you about. The first one I'm going to call the unprotected heart. Now, I see this more and more in our culture every day as I see more and more those who I at least confess Christ saying that they now agree with the world. I see this on Facebook. I see this in people's lives I talk to. And they say something like this, did God really say? Goes right back to the garden, doesn't it? Listen to the word. As he was scattering seeds, some fell along the path, and the birds came up and ate it. For this people's heart has become calloused. Do you realize that paths are hard? We'll talk about that in a second. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom as God does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. Now, here's my simple question for you when it comes to this kind of heart. What are you allowing to traipse through your soul? What are you allowing or who are you allowing to beat a path through your garden heart? Because this is the place where you and I have to join together with Jesus and agree with him when he says, above all else, protect your own soul, for out of it comes the wellspring of life. 
Are you allowing people to beat a path through your heart? To beat down the soil and make your heart harden so it doesn't take the seed? Are you allowing every doctrine and every wind of teaching to blow through the garden and kind of convince you that maybe the scripture isn't really truthful altogether? Well, maybe Jesus really wasn't the Son of God. I mean, does it really matter? Yes, it matters with eternal consequences. The Word of God is sharp and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, dividing joint and marrow. This is what the Scripture says about the Scripture. And so many of us are giving way to not allowing God and His Word to keep guard, to keep guard over our hearts. You see, you got to be spending time with Jesus in his word every day because that word goes deep down into your heart. Because I mean, that's a seed, right? It goes down in there and it starts growing this beautiful garden of godliness. And then when things come by that aren't of God, you smell them very quickly. And you can point them out very quickly. You are not open to the deceitfulness of the world. Now look, there's, there's other truth here. How many of you live with somebody else, at least one other person? How many of you are ever annoyed by that person? What do you do with your annoyances? Do you rent people a room in your heart? Can I tell you something? If you're mulling on other people and saying, oh, I can't believe he did that, I can't believe he acted that way. And you're doing that with creative redundancy. Do you know what I mean? You're running somebody a room in your heart. I've been reading a lot recently. I've been back into books. And other than the book, I mean, the book is the book. You've got to read the book. But then you read books that talk about the book. And those books that talk about the book help you understand the book because those people are being used by God. And I read a book this summer called Simple, The Simple Paths by Mother Teresa. Oh, my gosh, I love that woman. Jesus expressed herself so beautifully through her. And you're like, oh, are you a Catholic, Jeff? No, I'm not a Catholic, but I love how Jesus expressed herself through Mother Teresa. Just calm down, calm down. <laughs> she was talking about the writing of this book because somebody came to her and said, I'd like to write this book about your life and about the way of, of God in Calcutta. And she said, well, I don't, I don't know what you'd write. She said, I just pray and I love people. She said, that's it. She said, how many words do you need to write that? And the guy said, well, can I still try? And she said, sure. So, you know, <laughs> it was awesome. But this is what she said. She said, my calling from God belongs to the world. But my heart belongs to Jesus alone. Folks, if you are laying your heart out there and you're kind of saying, spouse, husband, you're supposed to fulfill the deepest desires of my heart. Can I tell you something? That's a lie. He never will. Husband, that's a lie she never will. And the more that you nurse that lawyer, the more frustrated you get and the more bitter you get. Why? Because the soil of your heart is being pounded down by your expectations. And now you're hardened. And then the soil becomes so hardened that the enemy just comes and steals away the seed. The seed that says, love one another, forgive one another. As I have forgiven you, so you are to forgive one another. Listen, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another and forgive each other the way that the Lord has forgiven you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Do you hear this word? 
Do you hear how beautiful it is? This is the way of Jesus Christ. Yet so many of our hearts have been beaten down. Why? Because they're unprotected by God. And you need to take your heart to God every day in his word and in his spirit and then with his people and say, God, what is the truth about me? What is the truth about you? What is the truth that will set me free today? Can I tell you, God wants to change your life today. Do you know that? Right now and today, God wants to change your life. You mean, Jeff, he wants to solve my financial problems all at once? I didn't say that. Jeff, he wants to char- char- change my marital problems all at once? I didn't say that. What I will tell you is he wants to change you right now. You got relationship problems? Can I tell you something? It takes two to make it work, but it takes one to change it. You could take that to the bank. If you start acting more like Jesus in your relationship and you stop entrusting your heart to people that tramps all over it, can I tell you something? God will change you, and it'll change every relationship around you. I started changing this summer. i got to be honest with you. There, There were people around me that didn't take too kindly to it. There were people that didn't understand what was going on. They're like, what's the matter with you? I said, nothing. I'm just growing stronger. Really, I don't like it. I don't care. (laughs) You're used to the old me. I ain't going to do that no more. I want to be rooted in Jesus. So I'm not going to laugh at stuff that I'm not supposed to laugh at. You tell me a joke that doesn't really honor people, I'm not laughing anymore. You you, you say certain things that are burning down, pulling down people, I'm not not doing that anymore. I'm not participating with you. Why? Because I'm rooted in the love of Jesus. But I got a question for you here. Why are you not protecting your heart with God and His Word? You see, it doesn't mean, oh, I'm going to go out here and get a divorce. No, that's not what I'm saying. For crying out loud, you're just going to marry somebody else who's busted and broken up. I've told you this before. Tracy and I, we, we say we have a dysfunctional relationship, but we wouldn't trade it for anybody else's dysfunctional relationship out there. Can I tell you a secret? They're all dysfunctional. Why? Because they all include people who are sinful and broken. Are you allowing your soul to be protected by God? Or is the enemy coming and stealing away the seed? Because you are not protecting your heart with Jesus. Now listen to the next one. I call this the self-protected heart. This is a little different. See, the first one is the unprotected heart. This one's the self-protected heart. This is where you try and take care of your own heart, but you don't involve God in it. Why? Because God tells you clearly in his word that you are going to have trouble here on planet Earth, and that you are going to be persecuted. If you expect to follow Jesus and have everything just be la-di-da, you are not reading the book. Listen to what it says. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Now, Jesus explains it. He said the seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. That's awesome. I love Jesus. Listen. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. This is the most important part. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Let me ask you a question. When you came to Christ, did you expect it to be easy? Of course you did. 
Because you're here on planet Earth, and every single one of us wants it to be easy. How many of you would like life to be easy? Just show of hands. Come on, get honest. Oh, no, no, I want it to be hard. No, you don't. You want it to be easy. You want things to be easy. And you want things to be like, okay, well, minor disruptions are okay, but let me go about my way. And when the winds blow, you might go, where are you, God? He goes, I'm in the wind. Where are you, God? I I can't see you in this. He says, I'm in the wind. I'm helping your roots to grow deep. Trust me, I've got this. I'm sovereign. I'm in control of all things. I have you, and I have this situation, and your roots will go deeper if you keep your eyes on me. Some of us are like, I don't want to. You know, is there someone else I can talk to up there? (laughs) I didn't sign up for the storms. Read the word. You see, this heart is a self-protected heart. This is the heart that doesn't read the word, doesn't let the seeds go into the heart to know that life is filled with trouble. Jesus says, take heart, I've overcome the world. He said, in this life you will face much trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So when the winds come your way, where do you turn? Do you turn to self-protection? You kind of hunker down and say, I'm not going to let myself be hurt again. Well, good luck with that. I've seen her, so many married couples say that. Did you know that? Especially in that first year. He's hurting me. And I go, didn't you know he was going to hurt you? She's hurting me. She doesn't respect me. Didn't you know she was going to show you disrespect? Did you not know that? Really? You see, if you read the word, you know the stuff's coming to you. But the scripture says that we are allowed to God to be our guard. He is our fortress, the scripture says. When he is our fortress, we will never be shaken. But when you try and be your own fortress and you try and protect your own heart, can I tell you something? That heart is coming, tumbling down. You're not strong enough to protect your own heart. You need God and you need his word. So many of us are hunkered down in self-protective postures. We kind of go through life and You know, we metaphorically have our arms crossed in front of our chests, and we say, I'm not going to let you hurt me. And you know what? You certainly times in relationships where you do have to step away, sometimes where you have to walk away, but God is your protector. God is your refuge. His word is supposed to be a guard over your heart and over your mouth. Everything about you is supposed to be God-protected. But this heart, this heart becomes bitter. Why? It's stony. It's also hard And God says, I want you to let me have your heart. So the first one, the unprotected heart. The second one, the self-protected heart. This third one should resonate with most of us, I believe. Why? Because we live in this culture. This one is called the distracted and the deceived heart. Listen to what Jesus says about it here. He says, other seeds fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, But the worries of this life, how many of you worry? And the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word. These are called weeds. And the weeds come to the garden. The garden doesn't have to go looking for the weeds. This is my question to gardeners. What did you have to do? Did you scatter weed seed? No, I'm not stupid. I wouldn't do that. The seeds came to me. I didn't have to go to them. Can I tell you something? Lies come to you every day. 
If you are not protecting your heart with Jesus, you are open game for the enemy. You know where a lot of it comes? Right there. Get on social media, start comparing yourself out. You get on social media, start a political argument. You get on social media, you fill in the blank. I don't know. You watch TV at home, and you dial up a show that you know isn't really reflective of his story. But you think, well, it's going to be okay. And you just watch it, and then you start to binge watch it. And then you're immersing yourself in the world. Who are you letting traipse through your heart? Who's beating down a path in there? What kind of seeds are they sowing? I can guarantee you they're weeds. Do you want to have weeds in your soul? If you don't, you got to go to the Word of God and the Spirit of God and the people of God and let Him pull weeds with you. How does He do that? By speaking truth right into your heart. He pulls those weeds over time, and what happens is He starts restoring the garden of the soil in your heart, and you're no longer as distracted and deceived as you were. Can I tell you something? In this culture, every single one of us in this room live in sensory overload. Part of the problem is this. Do you realize that when you pull this thing up, go ahead, take your phone out. Go ahead, do it. Open up an app. I don't care what it is. Just open up an app. I'm waiting for you to do this. I'm watching some of you. Nobody's doing this. Do it. You're, you're, Tom, you're there. Okay. Just do this, bro. Scroll. In your app, just scroll. Scroll. You know where they got that? Slot machines in Vegas. I'm not kidding you. That's where they got that. Slot machines in Vegas. Why? Because that's capturing your attention. You have control. You can scroll. And whatever's coming to you through that, you've got to run it by the Word of God. But can I tell you that lies in your heart, and we're going to talk to them mostly about your righteousness, because if you are in Christ Jesus, you have been made righteous in Him. That means that you are in right relationship with God. If you get that truth in the heart, the garden of your heart, oh my gosh. The stuff that's going to bloom there is incredibly beautiful. We're going to get to that in a few weeks. But I want to tell you, the vast majority of us are distracted. I want to spend more time with God, but I get up, and this is the first thing I do. Look at my phone. Stop it. You know what I started doing after reading a book called The Common Rule, which I highly recommend, a book called The Common Rule by Justin Somebody. You know his last name, Chris? Eh, whatever. He actually emailed me the other day. He wants to come speak here. So I think it would be cool. You know what I do? I get up in the morning, and I set to use my alarm clock on this thing. It, it wakes me up. So it's face down on my little thing. And what I do is I reach over and I push the power button. Just do that. Hold it for a second to make sure I can't see anything on the face of it. Then I pick it up and it has that little thing that says, slide to power off. I'm sliding to power on. Okay, I turn that off. Why? So I can go right to Jesus. So I start reading this the first thing in the morning. You know what happens to me? My soul is so distracted, it's unbelievable. I start thinking that somehow my worth is based on my performance because I'm replying to people. I'm replying to Facebook posts. I'm replying to emails. And right away, I'm starting to believe this worldly lie that I'm only as good as what I do. And Jesus says, no, come to me. Come to me. So we've got to understand that these soils, when we talk about distracted and deceived and self-protected and unprotected, not one of these hearts is at rest. Can I tell you the heart that's at rest? That's the heart that's humble before God. You see, the humble heart is the heart before God that now comes to rest in His presence. 
Because the humble heart says, I can't change my own heart. I can't change the soil of the garden in my heart. God, I can't. Everything around me, I feel distracted and deceived. I feel like I'm unprotected or self-protected. God, I need you. And that heart gets on its knees every day and cries out to God, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me and change my heart. See, the humble heart says, still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. What's he saying? Are you receptive to me? Are you responsive to me? Are you so focused on yourself and the world around you that you're not even seeking me? But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. Now look, this word in the Greek literally means comes together with. So when you hear the word of God, do you come together with the word of God? Do you submit yourself to the word of God? Do you humble yourself to the word of God? If you do, I can guarantee you this. Jesus will start planting things in your heart that will grow fruit you could have never grown on your own. You'll you'll start to look at yourself and you go, why am I doing such crazy loving things? And you go, it's only Jesus. He's in the garden, man. And he's tending the garden with me. And now these beautiful plants and these beautiful trees are growing in the garden of my heart. And I'm actually starting to be different. People around you, they will question your differentness. Initially, many people will not like it. I gotta warn you because they're used to the old you. (laughs) But you have been given a new name, son of God. Daughter of God, God has a new name for you. He wants to write it on your heart. He wants to write it right here on your head. He wants to write it all over you. What's your new name? My uh, challenge to you today would be to ask you if your heart resonates with any single one of these. Maybe you say, Jeff, you know what? My heart is unprotected by God my heart is self-protected by me my heart has been hardened and I and I really know inside of me I've nursed some wounds and now there's paths beat in my heart I need a new heart maybe some of you are saying my heart is so distracted it's so filled with deceptions I, I want you to do something today I want you to come forward I want us all to stand together you can do that now And if you're aware that one of these hearts describes at least in part your heart, the unprotected heart, the self-protected heart, the distracted heart, or the deceived heart, I want you to come forward today because I'm going to be standing right there with you. My heart has been distracted for far too long. And you know what? God is taking care of that in me. I want to encourage you to come forward so that we can pray for you today. I'm not going to ask you to say anything. I just want you to come forward just to acknowledge that God, I want you to give me your humble heart. I want you to till the soil of my soul. Jesus says, I love a broken and contrite spirit. Why? Because when the soil is broken, God's seed takes hold and new things grow. So if you're here today, and you want something new to grow in the garden of your heart, I want you to come forward as I pray. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come forward. And as we sing this last song, 
I want you to know something. There's people up here that would love to pray with you and for you in the name of Jesus. Father, we come before you and confess to you that our hearts have been left unprotected by you. When we confess this, Lord, we acknowledge that it's really just our own pride, thinking that somehow we can self-protect or that we don't even really need to be protected. Lord, you've shown us in your word that the world is filled with deception and weeds, and yet we still live unprotected lives. God, have mercy on us. Fathers, other of us confess that our hearts have been so distracted and deceived by the things of this world. Lord, these hearts can't receive your word. These hearts can't rest in you. They can't risk in you the way they need to, Lord, in order to be formed by you so we can be found in you. Lord Jesus Christ, we ask now that you would change our hearts. Change our hearts simply by allowing us to confess that we need humble hearts before you, broken and contrite spirits, Lord, that your word would take hold that would grow strong roots and that would bear much fruit for the cause of your kingdom. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your faithfulness. We do pray this all in your precious name. Amen. Let's worship together.